This is Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie at CatholicFoodie.com, and you're listening to episode 103 of the Catholic Foodie. Soup is good food. Welcome, folks, to the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. I'm your host, Jeff Young, and today we're talking soup. Mmm, mmm, soup is good food. And there's so many different kinds of soup. We'll talk about uh, a few of them. And we'll also ask that question, does chicken soup really help you recover from the cold or the flu? We'll find out, and I share a couple of recipes with you, too. One for cream of chicken soup and one for seafood gumbo. I will also talk about how you make a very important ingredient for many soups, and that is stock. Sarah Reinhardt joins us today with Mary in the Kitchen. We have all this right here at the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. I want to start off by thanking our sponsor, DivineOffice.org. DivineOffice.org provides the complete Liturgy of the Hours online on their website, also as a podcast that can be downloaded and played on your computer or some other MP3 player. They also produce the Divine Office iPhone and iPad app. And now, as of last week, they produce the Divine Office app for Mac. And uh, thanks to DivineOffice.org, I happen to have a few codes to give away. It's just a few. Uh, and it's not really a contest, per se, because the new Mac App Store is so new. And because I really want to help build up the ratings and the reviews for this new app, I'm going to give these codes away to folks who are willing to spend a few minutes rating the app. And uh, so it's a little tricky, a little tricky because the App Store is so new. You have to be running... 10.6.6 on your Mac in order to even access the store. So if you are running 10.6.6, that's Snow Leopard, okay? 10.6.6, if you're running that and you're willing to spend a few minutes leaving a great rating for the app, then please email me at jeff at catholicfoodie.com. I have only a few of these codes, so please don't wait. I really want to uh, to help the folks over there at divineoffice.org get as many five-star reviews and five-star ratings as possible on the new App Store. So very important to help promote excellent Catholic content on iTunes and uh, on this new App Store they have. So again, if you would like to get the app for free, shoot me an email at jeff at catholicfoodie.com. And thank you once again to divineoffice.org for sponsoring the Catholic Foodie. I'd like the chef's salad, please, with the oil and vinegar on the side and the apple pie a la mode. Chef and apple a la mode. But I'd like the pie heated, and I don't want the ice cream on top. I want it on the side, and I'd like strawberry instead of vanilla if you have it. If not, then no ice cream, just whipped cream, but only if it's real. If it's out of a can, then nothing. Not even the pie? No, just the pie, but then not heated. Uh-huh. I'll have what she's having. Well, I've been thinking about soup quite a bit lately. Uh, just last week, I was a guest on In Good Faith, which is a podcast with Sister Julie and Sister Maxine at anunslife.org. It was a lot of fun. We had a, we had a really good conversation. And uh, one of the things that we talked about was seafood gumbo. And of course, seafood gumbo is a type of soup. Also, it just so happens that Char made a cream of chicken soup recipe last week that she found on the Nourished Kitchen website at nourishedkitchen.com. And the recipe was an adaptation from James Beard's famous Fireside Cookbook. I've never had a soup quite like that one. It was 
stunning. It was amazing. And uh, that's what got me thinking about soup. It really is good food. You know, I think there's something very appealing about soup. I mean, right now, of course, uh, it's winter. So, you know, what's better than a hot bowl of soup in the winter? But, you know, I think soup is appealing for other reasons, too. Uh, Typically, uh, it's easy to make. It's convenient. It's economical. And it's versatile. I mean, with almost limitless variations. Think of all the different ingredients you can use to make a soup. And, you know, there's also so many different types of soup. There's meat and vegetable soups, uh, cold soups, fish soups, broths, bisques, chowders, creams, gumbo, of course, or cream soups, uh, gumbos, of course, and, uh, and more. And on top of all that, soup is healthy, too. Believe it or not, I've been a picky eater most of my life. <laughs> I eat a lot more now, but there are still some things that I won't eat. Uh, But goodness, you know, growing up, I hated vegetables. I absolutely hated vegetables. But when I was a teenager, I discovered that I could easily make myself eat veggies if they were in soups. And eventually, I started to actually, you know, like those veggies. But what a great way to get picky kids or adults to eat their veggies. Soups are an easy way to camouflage the veggies, especially if the soup is pureed or blended. A few weeks back, I shared a recipe on the show for pumpkin soup with kale and Italian sausage. Now, here's a secret. I hate kale. I think it stinks. (laughs) Literally. It's terrible. Oh, my goodness, that stuff's awful. But the recipe came from my favorite local restaurant. It's Del Porto in Covington, Louisiana. And I really liked it. I liked it there at the restaurant. And also, I liked it when we made it at home. You know, kale, go go figure, you know. Uh, I still don't think that I would eat kale any other way, but I like it in soups. You know, it's good stuff. You know, there's another benefit of soup, too, one that I didn't think of immediately, and uh, it's that it really does help to control hunger, but it also helps to control kind of like, you know, overeating. Uh, what do I mean by that? Well, you know, if you're eating a hearty soup, you have the meat and the veggies to fill your belly, Right. Uh, But the liquid of the soup is also filling your belly. So when you eat soup, it's actually hard to overeat. Now, I'm not saying that's impossible. I've had some soups that are really good. I just kind of had a hard time stopping, you know. But what I'm saying is that you typically get those, hey, I'm full now, warnings before you're actually full. And even if you feel full, your body processes that liquid more quickly then, uh, then it will the heartier stuff, so it kind of takes the edge off. You, don't, you won't feel full for long, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So how about that, you know? Soup is good food. It's easy to make, it's convenient, it's economical, versatile, healthy, and it helps control hunger. And here's another little, uh, uh, what we call down here, lanyap, a little extra, a little added, a little something extra there. And that is, if the soup is your main meal, then there are less dishes to wash. Oh, you gotta taste this! This is, oh, it's got this kind of, mm, it's burning, melty, it's not really a smoky taste. It, it, it's a certain, oh, it, it's kind of like a, you know, it's got like this boom, zap kind of taste. Don't you think? What, what would you call that flavor? Lightning-y? Yeah. It's lightning-y! Oh, we gotta do that again! 
Okay, when the next storm comes, we'll go up on the roof. I know what this needs. Saffron. A little saffron would make this. Saffron. Why do I get the feeling it's, it's in, in the, the kitchen? kitchen? Well, we're going to step in the kitchen just for a second. We're going to talk about an ingredient, a special ingredient that many soups call for. And it's, uh, you know, something more than just water, right? A lot of times soups will call, and sauces too, will call for stock. So, you know, I use stock in all my gumbos. As a matter of fact, I, uh, I used my last bit of chicken stock last night while making griots. You've never had griots and don't know what they are? Um, well, maybe I should just put the recipe over at uh, catholicfoodie.com, and you could find it over there. I need to do that. So if I, if you don't, if you hear this and you don't see the recipe, remind me, and I'll, I'll try to get that up there as soon as I can. Griots and grits is a sort of a staple down here in South Louisiana, and uh, it's, it's really, it's just cooked down. It's, uh, it's meat. It's like a round steak that's been cooked down with uh, onions and celery and bell pepper and. Anyway, the, I used stock. I used the chicken stock because I didn't have any beef stock, and it was actually really, really good. So what is stock? You know, there are different types of stock, of course, but today I'm going to limit myself to stocks made from meat or bones. And I make stocks regularly. As a matter of fact, I always seem to have a bag of bones somewhere, <laughs> usually in the fridge or the freezer. If I bake a chicken, you know, I always save the bones afterwards. I stick them in a plastic freezer bag until I have time to make the stock. And, and uh, stock is basically made by simmering various ingredients in water, usually for at least a couple of hours. In the end, all the solids are strained and discarded, and you're left with a very flavorful stock. And, uh, you know, the stocks that I make, I, I'll use like onions and, and celery and salt and peppercorns, black peppercorns, sometimes carrots. And typically, I really only make chicken stock or turkey especially after the holidays I'll, I'll make turkey stocks after uh, thanksgiving and christmas or seafood you know i use shrimp shrimp heads and shrimp shells to make a seafood stock of course you could use other things too if you have lobster remains or, or something you could use fish bones you could also make stock with that but typically we uh, would make a seafood stock with shrimp so uh if you do when I do add salt, I, I don't. I only use just a bit of salt in the stock because you, you think about it, the stock is going to be used to make another dish, a, a soup or or a sauce, and of course, you'll be salting that as well. So I'm usually very very light-handed on salt when it comes to stock, but uh, it's very very flavorful. So for a chicken or turkey stock, you know, I use the leftover carcass, and I'll, I'll save that, I'll save all those bones, and sometimes leftover meat, especially if, which has happened from time to time, you know, Thanksgiving turkey, or, you know, we, we make turkey actually a few times during the year. Uh, it's, it's really economical, and it's delicious, and so many different things you could do with it, and of course, I get to make a stock after that, or a gumbo, or something, so we cook turkey a lot, but... Um, Sometimes, you know, you cook a turkey and, and it may come out as just a little overcooked and that white meat can get so dry. Well, you could actually use that white meat in the stock, like to make a stock. So that adds a lot of flavor too. Um, I use those chickens and the, the bones I may have stashed away in the freezer. And then, of course, for the shrimp stock, I use the heads or the shells. You know, you can also take the shrimp heads and shells if you are making another dish and you want to stick those in a freezer bag, you can always just kind of keep that in the freezer too until it's time to make a stock. 
Now, the thing about a stock is that it's the cartilage and the connective tissues and the bones uh, that gives it its flavor, right? So when you're making a stock from bones, you have to simmer the pot longer than if you were just, say, throwing a bunch of meat in there and trying to make a stock from the meat, which you can do. It absolutely can be done, and and, and there are folks who who use certain parts of meat, maybe the less desirable parts of, of, of meat, to actually make a stock. If you want to make a beef stock or, or something like that, you could do that. Uh, but bones, I think, is where you get lots of flavor, a lot of flavor there. But because it's all on the inside, it's the marrow, it's the collagen, all of that stuff, you, you got to cook it out. It, it just takes a longer time. Matter of fact, a chicken stock, you're probably going to simmer that for three or four hours even. So, But once again, it's a simmer, not a boil. You never want to boil the stock. You want to just let it simmer. Uh, if you boil it, it could actually kind of uh, it, it, it clouds it up. It's uh, be kind of yucky. Uh, so here's a tip. I have a couple of tips for you. Here's a tip. Since all the solids are going to be thrown out, you know, you could try to salvage the meat if you're going to throw turkey meat in there. You could try to salvage that if you wanted to. But since most of it's going to be uh, thrown out, you know, you could use the less desirable or less appealing parts of the veggies too, such as the tops of, the, of carrots or the skins or maybe the ends of celery. You know, whenever I'm... Uh, um, uh, chopping onions, you, I chop off the edges, the ends of the onions, the top and the bottom, and I discard it. Well, if I'm going to make a stock, I could just throw that right into the uh, into the pot. It's all going to be thrown out in the end anyway. I'm just using that to get all that flavor. So that's a good thing to do. You can use a lot of leftover veggies or, or the less appealing parts of veggies in your stocks. Here's another tip too. I, I love uh, using black peppercorns in my stocks. And you know, really, if you, you're going to strain it, so it may not matter one way or the other, but just for ease, just for the ease of it, you could always take a, uh, a tea bag and stick those black peppercorns in that tea bag and tie it up and then throw that in the pot. That way, you don't have to chase those things around, especially if you're, if you're going to try to salvage some of that meat at the end. You don't want to have to chase through the pot trying to find the black peppercorns and throw them away. Just put them in a tea bag and then and uh, they just dispose of it at the uh, the end. Makes it a lot easier. So, stocks can be used immediately while they're fresh, and that's probably the best time to use a stock. I mean, I have been known to make a stock right before doing a gumbo. Uh, but you could also freeze them, and they they will stay good pretty much indefinitely. So, that's uh, my two cents there on stock. A few tips there for you. You can find my recipe, by the way, for turkey stock at Catholic Foodie. I'll put the direct link in the show notes. True love, you heard him? You could not ask for a more noble cause than that. Sonny, true love is the greatest thing in the world. Except for nice MLT, mutton, lettuce, and tomato sandwich when the mutton is nice and lean and the tomatoes ripe. They're so perky. I love that. share a couple of recipes with you today. The first is going to be seafood gumbo. You know, I mentioned the other day, I mentioned earlier in the show that the other day I was on uh, In Good Faith with Sister Julie and Sister Maxine. Uh, Awesome, awesome work that these two nuns are doing. Fantastic. Anunslife.com, I mean .org, anunslife.org, and I'm going to pull up that recipe. Uh, I talked about this recipe on the show 
And uh, actually, I, when I, we talked about the roux. Of course, you got to make a roux. The first thing you do when you're making a gumbo, you got to make a roux. I, I talked about uh, using flour and oil, uh, which typically that's the that's typically what what folks use to make a roux. But in this particular recipe that I shared with them uh, after the fact, I emailed that over to them. It was uh, made with butter, butter and flour. So that's the recipe I'm going to share with you today. And you've got uh, let's see, here's the ingredients: two pounds of shrimp with the heads attached, peeled. You're going to retain the heads and the shells. Four yellow onions, two of those chopped, two quartered. Four ribs of celery, two of those chopped, two quartered. Uh, two uh, green bell peppers, chopped. Uh, six to nine cloves of garlic, minced, and of course, do that to taste. Uh, three pounds of tomatoes, peeled, seeded, and chopped. Or you could use a can of tomatoes if you want. Chopped tomatoes would work fine. A pound of okra, sliced, and you want those sliced in about half-inch slices. One stick of butter, a half a cup of all-purpose flour, cayenne pepper to taste, three bay leaves, sea salt to taste, black pepper to taste, half a teaspoon of thyme, one bunch of green onions chopped, one pound of lump crab meat, four to six gumbo crabs, which, you know, if you can come by them, and it's optional too, you don't have to have the gumbo crabs, but I like it, it's it has, uh, I think, a little nice flavor to the pot, but also the presentation. It's really, really good. You know, I know some folks actually who also will just buy crab claws instead, and they'll just dump a bunch of crab claws into the pot, which is, which is also very, very good and fun to eat too. You know, you get to pull that claw out and dig for that meat. It's good stuff. Uh, you want filet powder if you can come across it, which is just really ground sassafras leaves. Filet powder uh, to taste, and that's something you're going to add to your own bowl. Uh, one bunch of parsley chopped, flat leaf parsley. Uh, rice, because gumbo is served over rice. And then crystal hot sauce or Tabasco to taste. And those are two of the hot sauces that we like here in, in this house. So, you know, first thing you have to do is you got to do your stock, right? We just talked about stock. And in this, uh, for seafood gumbo, what I would do is peel and devein the shrimp. I remove the heads but retain all that. Refrigerate the shrimp until you're ready to use. You don't want to leave that out. Just go ahead and stick it in the fridge. Uh, place the heads and the shells in a stock pot. Uh, you want to quarter two onions lengthwise, quarter two or three cloves of garlic, cut the celery into three or four inch pieces, add eight to ten cups of water to the stock pot, bring it to a boil, reduce the heat and simmer uncovered for about two hours. You strain that through a fine meshed sieve, discard the shells and veggies, and return the stock to the pot, and then set aside. Now, for the gumbo, you want to uh, chop the yellow onions and the celery. You want to seed, trim, and chop the bell pepper. Set that aside. Peel and seed the tomatoes. Chop and set that aside. Alternatively, you can use uh, the equivalent in canned tomatoes, which I think I mentioned that just a few minutes ago, uh, which I would probably, uh, for this size, I would probably just use I don't know, maybe like a one or two of the 14 and a half uh, ounce cans of chopped tomatoes. That would work. One or two. I would eyeball it, of course, like I do most things in the kitchen. Um, where was I? Okay, you got to trim and slice the okra into half inch slices. Set that aside. Make your roux, okay? This is a big first step for anyone who is not accustomed to doing or to making a roux. And uh, how we do that is you're going to, uh, you know, typically it's made with equal parts of flour and oil, but in this recipe we're going to use butter. So you want to heat a deep skillet, okay? You want a deep skillet, stainless steel or cast iron, 
on medium heat, which if you have one of those stoves with the knobs that have the numbers on it, it'd be about six, all right? You want to cut the butter up and then add it to the skillet, a heated skillet. When the butter melts and begins to bubble, you start to add the flour slowly. And right now we're using a half a cup of flour. So you add that slowly, stirring constantly with a spatula. I use a wooden spatula. I think that's preferable. And remember to stir constantly because you're, you're going to try to prevent, what you're trying to prevent here is burning or scorching, especially with that butter. Uh, the roux, usually, when you're using butter, it's going to change colors pretty quickly. And for the gumbo, you want a dark brown roux, the color of chocolate. And it'll take probably, at this temperature, five to seven minutes to achieve that. Now, once that roux has reached the right color, that's when you want to quickly add the onions and the celery and the bell pepper. You want to continue stirring all until it's mixed well. And you're going to saute those veggies there until they're softened. That's about three or four minutes. And then you mince the garlic or add the minced garlic and continue to saute for another minute or two. You want to take that reserved stock, the stock you made earlier, you want to bring that to a boil and then add the veggie roux mixture to the stock using a large spoon. Now, you want to do this you really should have uh, brought that stock back up to a boil before you you had that roux going because you don't want to you don't want to leave that roux on the heat. As soon as that's ready to go, as soon as those veggies are, are softened, you want to be able to start putting that into the pot, right into the stock pot. So once you add a spoonful, you want to stir and mix it really well uh, to try to integrate it before you add another. So just in case, just in case you don't want it to be too thick. But uh, I've never encountered that problem. I usually add all of it. So once you have added all of the stock, I mean all of the, uh, the roux and the veggies to the stock, you stir that up. You can add the tomatoes, the okra, the bay leaves, the thyme, salt and pepper, and cayenne to taste. And uh, gumbo crabs, if you want them. You don't have to add gumbo crabs, but if you have them, you can throw those into the pot. Return it to a boil. Reduce heat and simmer uncovered for about an hour. Occasionally skim and discard any excess oil that pools on the surface. Now, once you have it, you can taste it and uh, just check the taste. Make sure that it is, is tasting good for you. And once you are getting close, you kind of you know you want you don't want to add the shrimp until the very end. That's the point. You don't want to add the shrimp until the very end. So when you are getting ready to serve the gumbo, what you'll do is take the reserved shrimp, add them to the pot. Allow it to simmer for about two minutes or so. Then you want to add that lump crab meat and then the oysters. Did I even tell? Did I leave the oysters out? I may have forgotten to, uh, to, to, to add the oysters. Uh, you want, you know, 12 to 24 oysters to go into the pot. So you can get those in a um, uh, in little pint uh, oysters. They're already shucked. You could do that. That'd be fine. You could add that and their liquor. But if you get him already shucked, I would I would not add all the liquor. I would kind of hold back and then taste as I go. The liquor from a from an oyster is very very salty, so I would do that a little bit at a time. Uh, but basically, you want to make sure that it all tastes really good. Then you add your shrimp, you add your lump crab meat, and then you're going to add those oysters. Now, here's the thing with the oysters: you don't want those cooking too long, so you add them. You're going to let it simmer for another two or three about another two minutes or so. And you want to watch it, maybe three minutes. You want to watch it. You want to just until the edges of the oysters start to curl, right? When they start to curl, just taste it one more time. Make sure you, you know, if you need to adjust the seasoning or whatever. And then you can add the green onions 
some of the green onions you've chopped, some of the parsley you've chopped, because I like to save a good amount so that folks could put that in their bowls. Add, add a little parsley, a little green onion to your own bowl. But you add some of that there to the pot, stir it up, and, uh, and man, you're ready to go. You know, you're ready to go. You're going to take the bay leaves out, of course, and discard those. And then you're going to put uh, rice into some bowls and then just serve that gumbo right over rice. Uh, just a word of warning, if you've never done this before, um, you don't want too much rice in your bowl. Uh, you want the, the, the gumbo should still be somewhat soupy, you know. You don't want to have it be like rice and gravy. It needs to be like a, like a soup. It is. So you serve that right there over the rice. Uh, green onions and parsley could be added to the bowl. Crystal hot sauce on hand just in case. Also gumbo filet because filet, what that does, has a really nice aromatic uh, or aroma to it, but also a, a little flavor, and it thickens up the gumbo. So some folks like to put a dash or two of uh, gumbo filet in their bowl. So if you do try this recipe, let me know. Let me know what you think. Let me know how it turns out. You can always give me a call at 985-635-4974, 985-635-4974, or you can email me at jeff at catholicfoodie.com. And in just a moment, I'll be back, and I'm going to share with you that recipe that cream of chicken soup recipe that Char made last week. It was from James Beard's famous Fireside Cookbook. And we'll have that in just a moment. I need two salmon, three salad compassion, and a free filet. Larry, two others, seal salmon. Free filet, working. I need plates. Now, as I mentioned, Char found this recipe last week on the NourishedKitchen.com website. Lots of really good stuff over there. She does a fantastic job. Uh, NourishedKitchen.com. And, of course, she, she adapted this recipe from James Beard's Fireside Cookbook. And it's a homemade cream of chicken soup. Uh, she says that it's gentle and soothing in its flavor, deeply comforting and satisfying. While my, adap while my adaptation includes more vegetables and more egg yolks than the original, you'll find that either version provides that beautiful filling nourishment that can satisfy even the soul, or that can even satisfy the soul on a chilly, rainy autumn afternoon. So here, here are the ingredients. Uh, one whole pasture-raised stewing chicken, about three to four pounds, one leek, two or three whole cloves, Five or six stalks of celery, including the leaves. Three or four large carrots, including tops. One medium yellow onion, including the top. Two tablespoons of butter. Six eggs, six egg pastured yolks, beaten. Two cups of heavy cream, preferably raw, non-ultra-pasteurized. Uh, unrefined sea salt to taste, and then minced fresh chives or parsley to serve. Here's the method. Rinse the chicken thoroughly, pat it dry before placing it in your stock pot, covering it completely with fresh, clean, and very cold water, about one and one-half gallons. Stud, and leak, stud the leek with whole cloves and place it in the stock pot alongside the stewing chicken. Add the celery leaves, the onion top, the carrot tops to the water. Slowly simmer the clove-studded leek, celery leaves, onion top, and carrot tops in the water uncovered until the chicken is completely cooked and tender to the bone, about two hours. 
Once the chicken is tender, remove it from the stock pot and allow it to cool. Remove the bay leaves, the celery leaves, the onion top, the carrot top from the uh, broth, straining it if necessary. Discard the vegetable matter, but continue simmering the broth uncovered while you prepare the remaining ingredients. As the chicken cools, prepare the vegetables by peeling and mincing the carrots and mincing the onion and celery stalks as well. Melt the butter in a cast iron skillet until it foams. Toss the minced vegetables into the pan. Fry the vegetables in butter until they become fragrant and tender, about five minutes. Remove them from the heat and allow them to cool. Once the chicken has cooled, remove its meat, saving the bones to roast for another round of stock. Believe it or not, isn't that awesome? Place the chicken meat and cooled vegetables into a food processor and pulse until they're finely ground. If you have no food processor, you can mince the chicken and vegetables finely. Stir the vegetables and chicken back into the simmering broth and turn off the stove. Temper the beaten eggs by stirring a spoonful of broth into the eggs, then pouring the mixture of eggs and broth into the simmering soup. Gently stir two cups of heavy cream into the broth and serve. Dressed with minced fresh herbs and seasoned with unrefined sea salt. One gallon of soup to feed about eight people. It's about two and a half hour job there. But I'm telling you something. This soup was unlike any chicken soup I've ever had in my life. <laughs> it was incredible. I don't know there's something about the cream, but it was also, I think, something about uh, uh, grinding that chicken up. You grind the chicken and all the other ingredients. So you're not talking about big chunks of anything in the soup. It's all ground. But it's it's cooked in such a way that the soup itself is kind of dense. I don't want to say heavy, but dense. And so it's filling. And it's just got a beautiful flavor. Of course, we add probably a little extra cayenne because, you know, there's a party. Anytime there's cayenne, there's a party. That was something I said. I kind of surprised myself in that interview the other day with uh, – Sister uh, Julie and Sister Maxine and Denise, our, our wonderful, our very own Denise in the SQPN community, tweeted that out as a, as a quote. Anytime there's cayenne, there's a party. So thanks, Denise, for that. That's awesome. So those are the two recipes I want to share with you today. And if you try either one of them, I want to know about it. So you can give me a call at 985-635-4974, 985-635-4974. Or send me an email, jeff at catholicfoodie.com. Hi, I'm Judy. And I'm Ray. And, and this is, is Mary in the, the kitchen, kitchen with Sarah Reinhardt. <laughs> My kitchen faces west. And every evening this time of year, I usually receive what I've come to think of as a love note from God. Lately, I stand there. The sky splashed with bright oranges and brilliant pinks. And think of how much God must love me. I've been battling, over the last two years, some mental health issues and a whole lot of poor me attitude. A lot has happened that I just plain don't understand. If God has a plan, and I'm sure he does, he hasn't clued me into it. In the last year, I've been blessed by the wisdom of one of my nieces. She just turned 13, and she is intrigued, and maybe even a bit obsessed, by the sky. She is always taking pictures of sunrises and sunsets, and she loves when the sun lights up the clouds from behind. 
Because of her, I've been paying attention to the sky a bit more, too. Sometimes there's no getting away from the sun as a huge orange ball dipping below and leaving a trail of beauty behind. Looking out at those startling winter sunsets from my kitchen window has become a reminder to me. These difficult days I've had, they're but a snap of the fingers in the larger picture of my life. Maybe, with God's grace, it's making me stronger, more compassionate, open to God's will and grace in a whole new way. When I think of how God loves me, looking at the sky these last few evenings, it's hard not to think of Mary. In so many ways, she embodies love to me. I never wanted to be a mother, and I still struggle in my vocation as a mother. Deep in my heart, I wonder if I'm any good at it, if I'm scarring my kids and burdening them with my baggage, if I'm letting the most important part of my world down with my ongoing failures. In the midst of those worries and so many others stands Mary. Usually I see her feet first because my head is hanging low, either because I've been feeling down or because I've been beating it against something, anything. When I bring my gaze higher, I see that there's an arm, and it's extended, reaching for me. Mary is always reaching for us, trying to bring us closer to her son. There's a message of love that so often I close my eyes to. I ask, sometimes at a bit of a scream, where God is in the midst of my struggles. The answer, without fail, is never farther than my gaze out of my kitchen window at sunset. Wow. <laughs> wow. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you so much for the wonderful reflection on Mary in the Kitchen segment. And happy birthday. Happy birthday to Sarah. It was her birthday this past week. And uh, Sarah, we just want to wish you a happy birthday. You can find more of Sarah Reinhardt at her website, snoringscholar.com. And, you know, talking about beautiful things, mentioning the sunset, it made me, made me think about this. You know, I do. I love beautiful things. And I also love prayer. And I love when those two things come together, just as Sarah was talking about. You know, sometimes I experience it when I'm at a church with a particularly beautiful crucifix or when I'm encountering a, a strikingly beautiful and almost lifelike statue of Our Lady. I love when those things come together, prayer and and beauty. And, you know, I have to tell you that those two things have been coming together for me uh, a lot recently, since November, beginning of November, when I got my new rosary from Simplicities of Life at simplicitiesoflife.com. You talk about beautiful, a beautiful rosary, and it's two good, two good things coming together there, beauty and, and prayer. So if you're looking for the perfect gift for a friend or a loved one or maybe even a little treat for yourself, then do yourself a favor. Go visit simplicitiesoflife.com. Kessie and Kobe Thomas are doing incredible work over there. And what's more, they are a beautiful Catholic family who have surrendered their gifts and talents to the Lord. Simplicities of Life is Holy Spirit-led. So go give them a visit. Go visit them and let them know that I sent you Simplicities of life.com. 
Here's a way you can be creative on a daily basis. Well, how else in your life can you actually create new things every day? And you have to eat. This mm -hmm. is the thing we all agree on. If you're going to eat three times a day, to the day that you die, why not be good at it? Thank you for that quote, Jamie. Thank you so much. I love that one. Oh, and Jamie, just to let you know, I got your cooking at home cookbook for Char as a Christmas gift. Excellent. That is a fantastic cookbook. Uh, we love it. So keep up the good work. <laughs> All right, folks, we're coming to the end of the show today. I just wanted to share a few last minute things with you here before I bid you adieu. First of all, the SQPN Giving Campaign is in full swing. SQPN, the StarQuest Production Network, is a Catholic nonprofit. It's also a powerhouse of Catholic new media, and it cannot exist without listener support. If you go to their website at sqpn.com donate, you will find out more on how you can make a donation to SQPN during this giving campaign. Uh, and please do prayerfully consider making a donation to help SQPN reach its goal of $150,000. They're currently only at 44% of that total. But thank you very much for your support of SQPN. Also, if you haven't tried my coffee yet, you need to. The Morning Blend. It's fresh roasted specialty coffee. You can read all about it at catholicfoodie.com slash coffee. And of course, we're talking specialty coffee here, folks. Medium, uh, decaf, dark roast. We have all that good, good stuff. Hand roasted every day, every Tuesday, and we ship it out every Wednesday. So if you haven't tried it yet, go ahead and uh, go to catholicfoodie.com slash coffee. Good stuff. And speaking of catholicfoodie.com, you ought to check it out. There are recipes, reviews, and lots of blog posts there, stuff you might never hear about here on the show. And of course, the show notes are there too. Catholicfoodie. Dot com. Be sure to comment when you stop by. You can also visit me at facebook.com slash catholicfoodie and on Twitter at twitter.com slash catholicfoodie. And I love to hear from you. Call the listener feedback line at 985-635-4974 and let me know what's going on in your kitchen or how much you love the Catholic Foodie Coffee. <laughs> I look forward to hearing from you. And until next time, bon appetit. SQPN, leading the way in Catholic new media.